Ave Maria Mutual Funds, seeking the moral high ground for 20 years. Pro-life, pro-family, and Catholic values have guided us to the top. at since America came off the gold standard, it would take essentially the same amount of gold to buy the median home. But if you were saving in dollars, you would need almost 15 times as many dollars to buy the median home today in the United States. There is rather striking news uh, on the financial sector that we need to pay attention to. In a BRICS meeting that happened at the taping today, um, the countries that are involved with BRICS, that's the big financial groups for Brazil, for Russia, India, and China, they compose, by the way, 75% of the world's population. They're talking about moving away from the US currency as a medium of exchange. And that is going to have massive repercussions for Americans, but really for the financial system all over the world. With us to talk about this today is Drew Mason, who you know is a financial export, expert with whom LifeSite has teamed up for uh, with his organization, St. Joseph's Partners, to provide for you and your family precious metals to keep your financial situation secure during times of crisis. This is the John Henry Weston Show. Stay tuned. Hey, my friends, now is the time to stand up and fight. We are just about to have the Synod on Synodality, and everything that you've seen indicates that it's going to be an absolute disaster. We have Father James Martin as a personal appointee of the Pope speaking at it. We've got Cardinal Supic, Cardinal Tobin. These picks of the Pope to engage in this Synod are indicative of where we're going. We're going into heresy. And at these times of great crisis, the church, especially those called in the laity to work for the glory of Christ and his church, are called to gather and strategize. Back in 2014, LifeSite launched something called Rome Life Forum. It was a gathering at that point of some 75 life and family leaders from all around the world to strategize as to what we could do. And when we gathered, the majority of people were most concerned about what? About Pope Francis, about what was going on in Rome. But this was 2014, but the life and family leaders saw it first. Now, a decade on, we are confronted with some of the most severe challenges the church has ever faced. And so our tradition at LifeSite is to continue with Rome Life Forum, which has continued every year until we had to take a break over COVID because we weren't permitted, but we're starting it up again. Please come, if you feel so called, to Rome, October 31st and November 1st, the very end of the Synod on Synodality. And uh, we'll be there to strategize with His Eminence, with His Excellency, and with many life and family leaders from around the world. For LifeSite News, this is John Henry Weston, and may God bless you. Drew Mason, so good to be with you again. Praise be Jesus. Great to be here. Thank you, John Henry. And happy feast day to you.
and to you. And let's begin as we always do with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So, Drew, first of all, tell us what BRICS is and then what happened today. Okay. So, BRICS, as you said, John Henry, in the intro, stands for Brazil, Russia, India, China, and other nations that are gathering under their umbrella. Many of the nations that are rich in commodities who are coming together and they're realizing a dollar-based financial system is not in their interests. That's and a US dollar based, been, right? Correct. Correct. Yes. So um, just for a little history for the audience, John Henry, at the end of World War II, there was an event called Bretton Woods when all the countries came together and they decided that they would make the U.S. dollar the sole reserve currency in the world. That's only happened a handful of occasions in history. And what that meant was if you were France and Germany, rather than trading directly with your currencies, you would first buy dollars and convert into it. So it was an inordinate advantage for America that everyone would be trading in the U.S. currency. And again, we've seen this a handful of times dating back to the Portuguese, Escudo, and then most recently in Great Britain, who had the sole reserve currency in the 18th century. And in each of those occasions, John Henry, what happened was those countries became complacent. They lost manufacturing prowess. They lost their, their work ethic. And other nations ultimately just walked away from using that sole reserve currency. And when that moment happened in time, especially you know, with the most, most data being available in Britain when they lost theirs, you go back and you see it. It's as though everyone in the world was aware that this was happening, but the people who were uh, in the epicenter of this, who were benefiting the most from the paradigm, the Brits back then, and Americans today were the last to really realize that the paradigm outside of them was shifting and the implications for it. So when the Brits lost the sole reserve currency, you could still go into your bank and you could take out all those paper notes that you had saved. But the implication was that they only bought a small fraction of what they bought. The purchasing power was destroyed and that sole reserve currency status came out. And so we are moving in that direction We've had recently some incredible statements come out. I think we had referenced perhaps before the Treasury Secretary of the U.S., who should be a champion and defender of our currency, said the U.S. currency isn't going to have the significance in the future that it's had. We've had arguably the most famous investment group in the country, in the world, Berkshire Hathaway, say their working hypothesis is the currency will be worthless. So we're hearing these sound bites, but yet most Americans in particular most Westerners really are not awake to how, how extremely important this is. As one of the leaders of the BRICS said, this is a tectonic shift in finance when all of a sudden you start pricing everything in a different asset. And what we're seeing may happen is that the BRICS are wrestling with these nations. How do they lure other people into trading in their new currency? Why should someone trust them when there's such distrust for many of those governments, Russia, China, et cetera? And what we're waiting to hear is what their conclusion on that will be. However, numerous nations have offered up the idea that they will back the BRICS currency by gold, meaning that you can exchange those paper notes into gold, like the US dollar 
used to be. The U.S. dollar used to say explicitly on it from the Constitution, you could exchange that $20 bill for gold. And it said it explicitly on there. It was convenient to carry that paper dollar. It was you know, a lot easier in your pocket. But the only reason that had value was because the bearer of that dollar could go into the bank and the function of the bank was to give them, give that bearer the physical gold. And that was the underpinnings that made the dollar so successful. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how do people then protect themselves? If they know, as you said, this is 75% of the world population, the, the financial sectors of that 75% is talking about moving away from this. We know from the example in Britain that it massively devalues the currency such that, you know, and, and what is the percentage we're talking about here? So when it got devalued in England, uh, let's say we're talking about uh, pounds or whatever, one pound, let's say, brought a loaf of bread. How much were we paying for a loaf of bread after the fact? Oh, dramatically. It was multiples more, John Henry. And just to give you um, some data on that, on the implications of saving in currencies that are not backed by gold, for your viewers in Canada, for your countrymen there, we did some research ahead of this call. And we went back because it's really interesting these days, John, and just to share a little financial trivia with the audience. The last day the world had a global currency that was backed by gold was when Nixon closed the gold window in the US. That was, he chose to do that on August the 15th, 1971, the feast of Our Lady of the Assumption. Interestingly, today, when the BRICS are going into this coalition meeting, it is August the 22nd, 2023, another great feast day, the queenship of Our Lady. And in the incredible precision and order that the Lord has in the universe beyond my comprehension, it has been exactly 19,000 days, exactly 19,000 days since that time. And what has been the implication? Well, for your fellow Canadians who, if you had saved in gold, just kept the gold coins um, or gold bars within your family when the gold standard ended, it would now take you essentially the same amount of gold, even a little less in Canada, to buy a home. But the Canadian currency, if you were going to use Canadian dollars and you look at the median home price of Canada, of a Canadian home from 1971 until the end of last year, you've needed five times as many Canadian dollars to buy that same home. So if you had saved in gold rather than in Canadian dollars, you see how much better off you would have been to buy whatever asset you wanted to buy. And in America, it was even more dramatic. If you look at, since America came off the gold standard, it would take essentially the same amount of gold to buy the median home. But if you were saving in dollars, you would need almost 15 times as many dollars to buy the median home today in the United States. So we don't know all that's gonna transpire in terms of the intricacies of digital this or crypto or what the BRICS um, uh, rule book will essentially look like. But what we can say is, although gold has no guarantees attached to it, it has this precedent that it has always worked in preserving the wealth of families who saved it. And so our takeaway 
And our recommendation to families is not to say the world's ending. The financial world likes to link gold with Armageddon. And that's anything but the truth. Gold is about having the financial resources in this new paradigm that's unfolding to provide for your family, to buy great things for your family, and for Christians and believers to have even more influence in the world. The old saying goes, he who has the gold makes the rules. And that's where that comes from. So we would say to you, we believe is a baseline. We think families want to have approximately 20% of their savings in gold. Now, financial advisors say, that's crazy. That's crazy. The average account in the United States, if you look at the wirehouses, the big brokers that control literally millions of family investment accounts, is 0% physical gold. So de facto, financial advisors are recommending 0% physical gold because that's what shows up in the, in the investors' accounts. We say 20% is a baseline. How can we justify that? We again went back and looked at all the data going to 1971 through year-end 2022. We said, okay, let's say you had had that classic financial advisor's portfolio, 60% in the stock market, 40% in the bond market. So that's the baseline approach that advisors would build from. They'll say, okay, well, what if we layered in some gold? How much would we have to layer in to maximize the portfolio? And what we saw clearly from the data was 20%. So that improved not only the return, but also reduced the volatility and maximized what's called the sharp ratio, which is a measure of portfolio efficiency. So it doesn't mean a family has to get to that level right away, but we would encourage you to think about it. Doesn't it make sense that with all of these debts that are out here today, you know there's going to be problems in the currency markets. You know there's going to be problems in the bond markets, and that means there's going to be problems in the real estate market. And when you look at the equity markets today, the valuations really should be ringing another alarm bell. We looked at the end of the second quarter of this year, second quarter of 2023, the most recently completed quarter. And we looked at the valuations of the stock market. Companies today are playing games with their accounting to make their numbers look the best they can, right? The best they can get away with. So we use what's called the Schiller PE ratio, which tries to take out some of the noise from accounting games. And if you look at the Schiller ratio, valuing the stock market, it's at 30 times as of the second quarter. You then go back and say, well, what has the market produced for investors when it started at a 30 times multiple, right? So forget about looking back. We know the last 10 years have been quite good, buoyed by all this artificial government purchasing of these financial assets, but with a starting point where we are today, looking forward, right? Thinking forward of what the future is gonna hold for your investments, what does history have to show us? With this starting valuation, the median investment return investors should expect in the stock market for the decade ahead is 1% per year, 1% per year. So as you sit there as the custodian, as the steward of your family's capital, we would say to you, look, at the pie chart of your wealth? What percent do you have in stocks? Is that really warranted given the outlook and given valuation? What percent do you have in bonds? What percent do you have in withering cash? We would submit, you wanna think about, pray about, making sure you get to that right allocation for gold. We think history is whispering to us 
that this could be one of the most important financial decisions we'll make in terms of investments in our lives. Because when this shift takes place, like it took place in Britain, whenever that is, you want to be ready for it because then it's going to be extremely difficult to go back and reset what you had while the financial assets were priced as they are today. Indeed. So a lot of people, though, are going to be saying, wait a minute, but in terms of my financial situation, I've still got a mortgage. I've got no savings. They were, we're still working on paying off the mortgage in the car. How, what should I do? Should I even be involved in it at all? Should I just, oh, that's just for people with enough money to invest. We're not investing. We're just paying off debts. What do we do? Yes, John Henry. So many financial advisors will say gold makes sense if you have $10 million to invest in your portfolio. And that is ludicrous because the, the laws of finance apply whether you have a $10 million portfolio, $100,000 portfolio, or whatever it is that you have. So we would say you do want to pay down debt. Right? The Bible is clear that debt is the currency of slaves. Gold is the currency of kings. You want to pay down your debt. But aside from your decision to do that, when you look at whatever savings you have, that's our suggestion. Hello, friends. To celebrate the momentous overturning of Roe v. Wade, we at LifeSite have minted just under 10,000 of these brand new limited edition pro-life silver rounds. Now, each round is stamped with the image of the Supreme Court of the United States featuring the date that the High Court delivered this historic victory. And on the front of our pure silver rounds, LifeSite's logo surrounded by a brilliant sunburst and draped with olive branches. They, of course, commemorate our 25-year anniversary of LifeSite News. We began in 1997 in September, so September of 2022 was 25 years. These one ounce silver rounds are available from our partners at stjosephspartners.com where you can fulfill all of your silver and gold needs in this perilous time. May God bless you. So John Henry, we, we, we've talked about why the currencies have a very bleak future because they've been, they are so overly and literally hopelessly indebted today. And that's the case for the first time in financial history of all of the world's major currencies. They are on a synchronized path to hopelessly indebtedness, to hopeless indebtedness. We've talked about the implications that it has for the bond markets and the negative implications the stock market has, not only with those headwinds, but with valuations where we're starting from. But think about gold, which has the attribute of being inversely correlated to those other assets, which means when they struggle, historically gold thrives. In the Great Depression, if you look at it from the peak to the trough, the stock market fell 80%. Over that period, gold rose 70%. Hmm. So you can see that very desirable building block in a portfolio that offsets the stress that hits stock markets and real estate markets. You saw something similar in many of the, in really all the crises we've had financially in the country, right up to the last one, the great financial crisis in 08. Stock market was deeply stressed. And if you look at the, the, the trajectory from the market's peak to trough in the great financial crisis, gold was up over 17%. Today, the tailwinds lining up behind gold are as exhilarating and positive as the headwinds are daunting for these financial assets. What are they? Well, first, when you're talking about an asset, think of supply. The supply of gold is very tight. It's less than one half of 1% of global wealth. And the CEO of the largest gold mining company in the world said, even if every blueprint 
works perfectly well in terms of gold projects that company is working on. The supply of gold this decade will still fall by a third. You have an asset less than 1% global wealth. And we're talking about the supply of that asset coming up falling dramatically further. Demand for this asset is increasing. We are seeing the central banks around the world who are the most plugged in investors who know what they are doing to their own currencies, who know what their governments are doing, are buying gold aggressively. 2022 was a record year for how much money central banks put into buying gold. And 2023 has even accelerated further beyond that pace. They are selling dollars, reducing their exposure to dollars, and they're adding to gold. The demand picture from that perspective looks great. And when you realize less than 1% of Western investors have any gold yet, you see where the demand is going to begin to rise. As people wake up to the realities of financial history and they say higher inflation is bad for financial assets, it's great for gold. Currency indebtedness, bad for financial assets, great for gold. And they go through the list and they see this extraordinary setup that gold has. It is another reason to say it makes sense to have some of this in your portfolio. 20% mathematically has worked out very well. And why wouldn't an investor want at least 20% of their portfolio exposed to assets that have such strong fundamental uh, outlooks moving forward? Let me just say here, if you're interested in uh, investing in gold, do, throw, do so uh, with our partners at St. Joseph's Partners. If you go to lifesitenews.com and click on the uh, ad that you'll see there, it says protect yourself, uh, St. Joseph's Partners. Tell us, Drew, if you could, um, as we close out here, about silver as well, because we've talked a lot about gold, but for a lot of people, they're going to say, well, you know, even one ounce of gold is 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 tough for me, but Silver is there too. What does it mean? It's a lot more affordable, affordable but also, um, you know, does it have that same kind of potential that gold does? Does it have that same kind of uh, power to protect your assets and, and protect your family? Thank you, John Henry. You are so right. Anything we say about gold, we could say about silver. What is good for gold is good for silver. And you bring up a great point. A lot of, especially in the third world, where families have the same concerns and they're saying, what can I save in to protect my wealth? I don't want to save in our currency here. And they ask their grandparents, what can we save in? And they say gold or silver, that's the money that no government can destroy. And many will go to silver for exactly the reasons you're saying. When you speak with our advisors, we recommend Ultimately, investors have both gold and silver in their portfolios. The mix between gold and silver depends on an individual family's situation. And we step through that with them, learning what are, are their needs, what are their concerns. But your point also, John Henry, many investors don't realize was fully appreciated by the founders of the United States. They didn't put us on the gold standard in the Constitution. They put us on a bimetallic standard. It was gold and silver standard. Gold and silver were both written in the Constitution as U.S. money. Gold for bigger ticket transactions, but silver so that the middle class, the working class, could be paid in a currency that wouldn't lose its value over time and that we can use for day-to-day -day transactions if we want to go into a supermarket and there is currency stress, what will they accept? 
historically, silver has worked extremely well. Silver's fundamentals are also very attractive. The supply of silver coming out of the ground relative to the demand for it is on a trajectory now to hit a record shortfall, record deficit this year, because demand for silver is very strong. When you talk about the uses of silver today, three quarters of it is for industrial purposes. Only one quarter so far is for money and investing. And that industrial end market for silver is all the things that the financial markets are enamored with. Your cell phones, your computers, any type of hybrid battery, wind power, healthcare. They're realizing now silver is a natural biocidal. So if you have a burn and you don't want to have to change the bandage if you're in the hospital because you'll rip that skin off, you lace those bandages with silver and you won't need to change them and the skin can heal. Water is a, a silver is a filtration mechanism for water. When the Phoenicians used to go into war and they were on their ships, they had this dilemma. How can we keep our water pure? They realized we just throw some silver in there. Our water, our drinking water will stay pure. So these industrial end markets are extraordinary for silver. The monetary ratio of gold to silver now is 80 times, meaning you get 80 ounces of gold for one ounce, I'm sorry, eight ounces of silver for one ounce of gold. Historically, mm -hmm. that has been closer to one five, 15 times. And when you look at the silver that's coming out of the ground relative to gold, it's only about seven to one. So again, whatever we say about gold is very positive for silver. We think it will also do extremely well. And in a one-on-one -on -one conversation, we can delve into what may make the most sense for your family, either in your taxable accounts or in a retirement account where you can also save the silver, save the physical gold to protect your wealth at this juncture. Absolutely beautiful. Um, go to lifesightnews.com and click on protect yourself. Uh, and it, that's our link to St. Joseph's partners, our partners who um, help you and your family prepare for the future with precious metals. Drew, uh, final word, uh, any, any last thoughts for us as we close out? John Henry, many people also don't realize that while gold has the laws of finance supporting it, higher inflation is great for gold, higher debts are great for gold. It has the history of finance supporting it. Every time you've, you've had a currency not backed by gold, it's failed. Every time you've saved in gold, it has preserved the wealth of the families that invested in it. But the third leg of the stool, we would say to make the case for gold is biblical. Gold is the only asset scripture counsels us to buy so that we will grow wealthy. And it specifies not paper gold, not IOUs that are centuries old, but physical gold refined in the fire. We recognize the primary meaning of that was spiritual. However, the Bible is very precise and there are so many layers of truth in it. The fact that it is the only asset scripture counsels us to buy is significant. In the Bible, God also says, the silver and the gold are mine. We think that's a big reason why Wall Street hates it, while many in finance hate it, because God has aligned himself with silver and gold, literally. And then the third reference we would make that we think is so noteworthy is that if you go back to the Garden of Eden, when you wouldn't think there was any need for commerce. Before 
God threw Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden, he told Adam where to go to find the gold. It was the only asset he told him where to go to find. Why did he do that? Why was it so significant? We'll fully find out in the next life. But the fact that we have that kind of a spiritual overlay on top of the laws of finance and the history of finance, we think is something that many believers don't realize. And we encourage them to just reflect on that as you pray about what's in the best interest for you and your family moving forward. Very interesting. So even though we know that the meaning is, first of all, spiritual, scriptural has many levels. Um, and one of them is the very obvious, you know, the literal meaning of things. Give us a couple of those verses, if you can. John Henry, it is Revelation chapter 3, I believe it's 15, where scripture says, I, and I'm almost embarrassed to say it exactly this way, but the literal quote is, I counsel you to buy gold from me refined in the fire so that you may grow wealthy. And I am almost certain that's Revelation 3.15. John Henry, I believe it is Genesis chapter 2, where God tells Adam where to go and find the gold. And um, John Henry, I am so embarrassed. Maybe by the time this show is produced, we'll have a quote here for you of the biblical verse where the Lord says, the silver and the gold are mine. Beautiful. Drew Mason, so good to be with you as always. We are very pleased. We're proud to partner with you to keeping our families safe. And um, we know a lot of families uh, in Sport of Life site have availed themselves of this real gift, the ability to protect their families, especially with a company that they know uh, has the Lord at heart first and them as well. So go again, once again, to lifesitenews.com. Click on Protect Yourself, our partnership with St. Joseph's Partners. God bless you. John Henry, before we go, if I could mm. say one thing, yeah. I wanted to let the audience know, you know, you hear so many dour stories about how awful the world is. And you see these stories about people that just seem like uh, you can't comprehend what they do. It has been such a blessing for our team to speak with the members of LifeSite. We have thoroughly enjoyed it. It has been uplifting. There are so many wonderful believers and families out there. It is just a treat for us to interact with you, talk with you, learn about your families. And so just know you're not alone out there. There are so many wonderful believers and our future is super bright with the Lord. Beautiful. God bless you, Drew. And God bless all of you. And we'll see you next time. Hi, everyone. This is John Henry Weston. We hope you enjoyed this program. To see more like it, be sure to hit the subscribe button below to get all the latest content from LifeSite News. Check the links in the description to read more and connect with us on social media so that you can stay up to date with all the latest life, family, faith, and freedom news. Thanks for watching, and may God bless you.